You are listening to the Central Sanford Podcast. To learn more about Central Sanford, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net. Today's talk comes from Pastor Alan Brumbach. Chapter 6 is where we are this morning, Matthew chapter 6, page 811 in your pew Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, that uh, pew Bible in front of you is our gift to you this morning. Let's stand as we read God's Word in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number, verse number 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. We're going to read this together. Jesus is praying in like this, all together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You may be seated. You know, when it comes to grocery shopping, me and my wife have two totally different approaches. Uh, I uh, tend to uh, grocery shop for things that I like to eat, for things that taste good, for things that are on sale. When she shops, she typically gets things that are healthy and things that she can use to actually cook a meal. So when I go, uh, it's, it's based on what I see. It's what me and the kids love to eat. So I get the essentials. I get cookies, ice cream. Barbecue potato chips, those are staples, okay? Man cannot live without barbecue potato chips. When she goes, she has a plan. And so she is meal prepped, and she has got exactly what she wants to get, so she has her list. But from time to time, she will send me to the grocery store with a list. And her instructions are, if, this is mission impossible, Right? that you have to go and get everything on this list. But here's what happens. Inevitably, I forget something. I get sidetracked. ADD kicks in at the grocery store. Or I don't get the thing that she exactly wants. So a, a, few, a few weeks ago, and I've got permission to tell this story. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I came in, and I was so excited. I got, I, I got everything on the list, and, and I was walking in. I have also this game. It's kind of like the He-Man in me. I want to see if I can get all the grocery bags in one way, in one time. And so I will have them stuck all the way up in my hands, and I'm walking in the house. And inevitably, when I do that, the garage door, which I go through, is locked. And so I kick on it and kick on it, and here I am standing, and I walk in, and I bring the groceries there, and what she does is she inspects them, right? Does anybody else do this but me, okay? So you all can work on your halos later, but this is how it works in the Brumbach house. And so there I am, and all this stuff is out there, and I'm in a raid. I've got to check off every list, and she looks at me, and she says, Alan, where is my organic, grass-fed, hormone-free milk? And I looked at her and I said, honey, I thought it was all organic. It comes from cows. Well, that didn't work. She looked at this gallon of milk and she says, honey, you got the non-organic feedlot hormone antibiotic rich milk. That's not stuff we drink in this house. And I looked at her and I said, well, it was on sale. And she's like, you're so cheap. Don't you care about our children? 
And I looked at her and I said, honey, I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. Now, the reason I tell you that is not to make my wife or even myself look bad. Is I'm afraid that when it comes to our prayer life, that many of us come to God with a shopping list. And if we don't get what we want, exactly how we want it, when we want it, then we feel like God doesn't care about us. But here's the good news, is that God, unlike me, is not cheap. He does much better than I could ever imagine because he has a perspective that's far greater. He knows exactly what you need, when you need it, and how you need it. And this morning, as we continue our series through the Lord's Prayer, and maybe uh, this is your first time this Sunday, over these past few weeks, we've been walking through each phrase of the Lord's Prayer, and this morning we come to this phrase, which says, give us this day our daily bread. And one of the things that I want to just impress upon all of us is that the Lord's Prayer is very different than how many of us approach prayer. Many of us tend to start our prayers with a grocery list of what we want and what we think that we need, and then occasionally we throw in a a few thank yous, and then we end our prayer. But what we're learning from Jesus is this, is that God must be the starting point of every prayer that you pray. As we look through these petitions, we see that the first three petitions are about God and His glory. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then it gets to man and his need, which is what we're looking at this morning when he says, give us this day our daily bread. So what it means to pray this, give us this day our daily bread, is this. To pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are daily depending on the Father to meet our needs with proper perspective based on his greatness and goodness. That's what it means to pray, give us this day our daily bread. So let's just walk through those three things this morning. Daily dependence, proper perspective, goodness of God. First thing, daily dependence. He says in verse number 11, give us. When you read this, it doesn't say sell us. Sell us this day our daily bread. It doesn't say reward us this day our daily bread. We are asking God to give us what we cannot give ourselves. We are ultimately saying that in our own ability, we cannot provide these things on our own. And these things that we are asking for are not a payment for services rendered to you, but a sheer gift of your grace. Martin Luther, who on the very day of his death scribbled on a piece of paper in which he says, we are beggars, this is true. See, when you and I say give us, it is showing that we are creatures who are dependent and we are not self-sufficient. Contrast that with God, who is glorious, self-sufficient, inexhaustible, omnipotent, and eternal. So we are dependent. He is independent. We are finite. He is infinite. Uh, We are weak. He is strong. We have nothing to bring to the table. He has everything that we need. But I want you to get this understanding that you did not become dependent because you are a sinner. Now, sin makes us very dependent. But sin did not create this dependent because at the very moment of creation, God created us to be dependent. That's what it means to be a creature. And ever since then, since, since you were born, think about it, from the very moment you came out the womb, you were dependent. 
and we'll be dependent the rest of our lives. We are dependent creatures. When a baby is born, a baby is very, in, uh, very dependent. One of the things that makes humanity different than the rest of creation when it comes to animals is that we have a very long period of dependence, a very long period where we depend on our parents to essentially grow us so that we can live and survive on our own. And as a baby, the baby must be fed, the baby must be burped, the, bi- the diapers must be changed, the baby must be picked up, transported, the baby must be loved and cared for. And, 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 and even though they grow up, they continue. There's always this need that we have to, for other people. We are totally dependent creatures. Now, in creation, Adam and Eve were provided for by God in the garden. And yet, when they chose to live their lives independent from God... And when they essentially tried to be God themselves, the world entered into fall, and what used to be an abundance where God provided every need that they had was now scarce, and food that was going to be provided, daily bread that was going to be provided, must be provided by the sweat of Adam's brow. But even through Adam working didn't mean that it was going to be certain. So what we have to understand is that we, as Al Mohler says, we are no longer merely creatures in need of provision, We are sinners in need of God's mercy. So we say, give us, because we're dependent. Give us, don't sell us, don't reward us, give us our daily bread. Now, one of the things that I love here is that we see that Jesus didn't believe in a low-carb diet. Jesus loved bread, and so should you, amen, the glory of God. He says, give us... Daily bread. Some translations, it's translated today's bread. It's shorthand for the physical, emotional, and spiritual necessities of life. You know, most of us as Americans, we, we don't typically worry about our next meal. But in Jesus' world, they did. The next meal in Jesus' world was not guaranteed. And so, not only that, but the bread in Jesus' day was not filled with preservatives, like our bread is filled with preservatives today. So, daily bread was daily because it was only good for the day. But here Jesus says, give us, don't sell us, don't reward us, this day our daily bread. The thought of daily is this, is to look to God every day, as the ultimate source of everything you need. It is to come to God day to day, hour to hour, trusting and depending on God to provide those things that you need so that you can live and glorify His name on the earth. Remember that a few weeks ago? That if you are dead, you cannot praise God on the earth, so therefore God, provide us daily bread so that I can be sustained, so that I will not starve, so that I can praise your name. This dailiness of bread was, is illustrated in the Old Testament with the children of Israel while they were in, in wandering in the wilderness. In Exodus chapter 16, we are told that while Israel was wandering in the wilderness, God provided food for them every day in a thing called manna. Now, you want to know what manna means? It means manna. And God provided them manna. And God provided them this, this little seed that they could use to make bread. It was literally, it, would, it was wonder bread. It came from heaven. And what they were called to do is that every morning, the family was told to go out and gather, the bread, gather this grain that was on the, on the ground, like the dew on the earth. Gather, gather only as much as your family needs. Don't hoard it. Don't store it. Just get what you need. And the Bible says that whoever gathered little had no lack. 
And they were told every day except for the day before Shabbat, you were to gather what you need for that day. And on the day before Shabbat, on Friday, you gathered twice as much so that you didn't have to work on Shabbat. You could rest into the Lord your God. And that's what they did every day. They depended upon God to provide their daily bread in the desert. And so the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, here he says that God says that Moses is saying to the children of Israel, and God humbled you and let you, and let you hunger and be fed with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he may make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God humbled them so that they would be dependent on him every day. If God didn't show up that next day, they weren't going to eat. You know, I think as I read that, there is a beauty in the dailiness of coming to God every single day. That when we come to Him daily, we are acknowledging to Him our daily need, that God, I need you. You know, in our world, we tend to stockpile and hoard. We have uh, tons of things in our house, if you look around, that you don't need, amen? We tend to put things in the bank, we have so much food in our pantries, and we trust in those things. We don't want to think about needs in the future. We want to plan ahead. We want to have it all figured out. We want to have all our little beans counted so that we know this is how much we have for the future. But what God desires from us is that we come daily to Him regularly for Him to meet our needs. And there's a beauty in that. There's a beauty in that. Now you may have said, Pastor, why should we come to God daily asking Him for our daily needs? It's not because God needs to be begged. We don't have a God that needs to be begged. The reason why we need to come every day to God asking for daily bread is because you and I tend to forget. We tend to forget the source of everything that we have. We tend to forget where the bread comes from. Deuteronomy chapter 8, right after verse 3, he says this to the children of Israel, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God. You know... God has blessed every one of us in this room. And if you say he hasn't blessed you, you you don't understand your life compared to a lot of other people in this world. And, And many of us have houses, have cars, have clothing, have money in our banks that that we don't deserve. And we tend to think that we're the ones that are the source of that. But we have to see that it's from God. And what happens in our lives is that when things is going when things are going really well, we tend to forget God. When things are going bad, well, we want to run to God or we want to run away from God, but, but we tend to forget when things are going good. So what God here is calling us to is daily, not weekly, not random prayer so that we don't forget. And this morning, if you struggle in your prayer life, it's because you don't see your need for it. See, I've, I've come to this conclusion personally that I only pray as much as I feel that I need to. Prayerlessness is not fundamentally a discipline problem. At the root, it is a faith problem. It's be- the reason that I do not consistently, regularly, passionately, and persistently pray is because I struggle to truly believe that it really matters. When Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, it is a daily dependence. And here's what we all have to understand. We need God. God does not need us. If you died tomorrow, or if you stopped serving God tomorrow, God would be okay. But see, if God were to ever close His hand for even just one second, we would be in trouble. 
It's kind of like your computer. You can be working on all these different things, but if the power gets unplugged for just one second, it all crashes down. Without God constantly providing for us, constantly empowering us, enabling us, we have nothing and we are nothing and we're nobody. There's no such thing as a self-made man. We are either God-made or we're nothing. So when we come to God for our daily bread, we are coming with daily dependence. Now, I want to make this one note here. And, and, and when we pray for daily bread, he is not saying that we need to be passive or lazy. We are to work. One of the ways that God provides daily bread is for you getting off your blessed assurance and going to work. God uses your labor to provide bread for you. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But yet it's a daily dependence because it's God who gives you the strength to make a living to provide bread for your family. It's daily dependence. But secondly, it's a proper perspective. Now, when we come to God, we can come to God asking Him for our daily bread. We can come to Him asking for the very necessities for life, our, our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our emotional needs. And I want you to understand that physical needs are real needs. We are not bothering God when we ask Him for our physical needs. J.I. Packer says that it's God's pleasure to give pleasure. So notice this. If it matters to you, then it matters to God. And if it matters to God, then you can pray about it. So how can I know that I can ask God to meet my needs? How can I know that he will listen? The answer is this. He's our father. See, Jesus, in the beginning, has us address God as our Father, our Father in heaven. In other words, He is God. He is the creator of the universe who happens to be our Father through adoption in Jesus Christ. Now, He is not only God our Father, but He is our Father who is in heaven, which, is, which if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that He has a perspective that we don't have. He has a perspective of your life and a perspective of the world around you that you and I don't have. And he has a kingdom agenda, and that includes meeting the needs of his children. So when you and I come to our Father and we ask him to provide according to his will in our lives, he will. Now get this picture in your mind that your biggest problem is not your circumstances. Your biggest problem is your perspective. See, when you and I ask for something, we ask God based on a limited information that we have. How many of you in your life have you ever made a decision based on limited information or even flawed information that after you made that decision, you said was a bad decision? Anybody? Anybody ever bought a car? Anybody ever did something that you thought, well, at the time, this is the best deal. I should buy this stock. I should, I should do this. I should do that. And then in, in hindsight, you realize how foolish you were. Perspective makes a difference. Young people in the room, and now that I'm an old man, now that I'm 36, I have some now some ability because I've now passed the other half. I'm now on the downhill. God help us all. This is my third midlife crisis. I had it two weeks ago. <laughs> Young people, listen. The perspective that you think you have may not be 
the right perspective. See, God, as our Father, does not give us everything we ask for. Why? Because He knows better than we do. He has a better perspective than we do. We have a limited perspective, and we often see our lives through our circumstances. But He knows far better than we do, and if He gives us anything, it's because it's the best thing for us. And think about this. If God gave you everything you asked for, just whatever it was, that would be dangerous. I mean, how many parents in the room give your kids everything they ask for? If you do, come see me after church. We're going to pray the demons out of you. Because it's not smart to give your kids everything they ask for. You know, there's a great theological movie called Aladdin. And in Aladdin... The story of Aladdin is that, that he finds, he, he gets the, 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 the genie in the lamp, and, and, and then because he gets the genie in the lamp, he gets three wishes. And so he gets three wishes, and you've seen the movie. But one of the interesting things is, is what happens when, his, when the nemesis of the movie, uh, Jafar, gets the, the genie in the bottle. And he gets it, and he has three wishes. And, and his, his biggest wish, you remember what his biggest wish was? And, and Aladdin kind of, if, if I, this is a spoiler for you, you've been living under a rock for a long time. But, but the last wish of Jafar that Aladdin kind of tricks him into doing is to being the genie himself. Because he wanted to be the biggest, the most powerful person in the entire world. And Aladdin said, listen, you may be strong, but the genie is the one who gave you all this, so you should want to be the genie, Right? And what happened was, is his last wish was to be the genie. And what he thought was going to be freedom to be the most powerful was actually slavery because he was now confined to that little bottle with itty-bitty living space. See, what he thought was going to be the greatest thing for him was actually the worst thing for him. You know, there are times that we ask God for things He doesn't give us because if he gave them to us, it would be dangerous. I mean, think about it this way. What would be more awful than to give a five-year-old Aladdin's lamp? You gave your five-year-old kid or grandson, grandkid, Aladdin's lamp, and so you get three wishes. How dangerous would that be? That would be scary. What about a 10-year-old? What about a 15-year-old? Good Lord, help us all. What about a 20-year-old? You give a 20-year-old a genie and a lamp. What about a 25-year-old? What about a 35-year-old? What about a 40-year-old? You know, what I found is that it's amazing that the older that we get, the more we see that we're not as smart as we thought we were. We're idiots. At the time, we thought we knew what was best for us, but we didn't. There are things that I wanted at 20 years old. That I thank God at 36, I didn't get. Why? Because I was dumb. How dangerous would it be if if God were to give you, if you were to have genie's lamp? You know what the Bible teaches us? We're always idiots. You say, well, that's not very flattering. Well, it's the Bible. You say, what verse? We'll talk about it later. (laughs) But what the gist of the Bible is this. You see, if God were just to flat out be a genie in a bottle, that would be dangerous. 
Tim Keller put it this way, and I thought it was very apropos how he said this. He says, we should not think of prayer in genie terms, but in father terms. Good parents distinguish between the need of the child and the child's interpretation of the need. Good parents don't respond to unwise proposals, but they discern the real need. The interpretation of the need and the need are not the same thing. Often our physical needs or the interpretation of our needs is a symptom of a greater need. So let's say a little kid comes to you, one of your children comes to you, or grandkids comes to you and says, Daddy or Granddaddy, I'm bored. I'm so bored. Can we go outside? Can I go outside and play with knives in the backyard? Now, a good parent says no. But a really good parent says, no, let's not do that. Let's do something else together. The kid's interpretation of his need was that he was bored and he wanted to do something fun, so he wanted to play with knives outside. The kid's real need is that he wanted to be loved, he wanted to spend time with somebody, he wanted something to do, and so good parents redirect their kids to meet the deeper need. You know, your kids are going to come to you all the time wanting this, wanting that, and there's, a, there's, a, there's something that they're interpreting as their biggest need, but there's a deeper need underneath that. Good parents know how to interpret the deeper needs. See, there are times in your life that we interpret our need to be something, but actually there's something far deeper, something far better that we need. And if God just gave us what we thought was our need at the time, it wouldn't truly satisfy what we think is our need because it wouldn't meet the deepest need. Does that make sense? And as a matter of fact, as I've kind of said this before, if God were to give us everything that we wanted and how we interpreted that we think we needed, it would destroy us. Because God is not a genie. He's a father. Now, let me just say this right now. There is a lot of preachers that will get up in the pulpit and they will say, God has won the victory and you should just ask for whatever you want and God is going to give it to you. You have to demand God to give you stuff. God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to have this. He wants you to have that. And let me tell you something. Those churches attract lots and lots of people. You know why? Because they're looking for a genie God. They're looking for a God who'll do whatever they ask him to do, whenever they want it, however they want to do it. And if they don't get what they want, they didn't have enough faith. That's not in Scripture. God is not a genie. God is a father. If God is a genie, then I know what's best. But if God is a father, he knows what's best. And here's the good news. God will not give you all that you want. Thank the Lord. But he will never give you less than what you need. So daily dependence with the proper perspective based on the goodness of God. How can we trust that Father knows best? Because God has proven over and over his goodness that even when we cannot understand what God is doing, we can trust Him. That's why we sang that song. Even though I can't see you, I know you're working. You never stop working. James tells us this in James 1.17, where he says, Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow to change. You can trust Him. He's not going to trick you. He gives you good gifts. Anything that you have that's good is from God. Anything that you have from bad is not from God. But I love this verse, and this is, it's kind of attached to what Jesus is praying. You find this at the end of the Sermon on the Mount 
in Matthew chapter 7, but you also find Luke's version of this in Luke 11. So let's just read what Luke has to say. It's, it's attached to what Jesus is getting out of this whole idea of prayer. And here's what he says. Jesus says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Let's stop there for a second. Now, some people read that and say, well, this is, this is what you just said about I should ask for whatever I want and God is going to give it to me because he just promised in his word he's going to give it to me. That's what that text says. No, that's not what it says. Because there's other passages of Scripture that says praying in the will of God. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But he says ask. But here's the good news. Because some things that we ask for that we interpret, go back, I'm so sorry, Some things that we ask for, we interpret to be our need. Some things that we seek for, we interpret to be our need. Some things that we're knocking on wanting to be open are things that we perceive that we need, but God knows best. But I love how we can trust that whenever whenever we ask, we're going to receive the good thing, the right thing. Remember, every good and perfect gift comes from Him. And and here's how I know that whenever I'm seeking, if I'm seeking God, I'm going to find it. And whenever I'm knocking, it's going to be open. Here's why. Now we can go to the next thing. Thank you, guys, upstairs. Because he grounds it in this. This is the grounds of that. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a snake? That'd be a pretty bad trick, wouldn't it? Daddy, I want a fish. Here's a boa constrictor. <laughs> Daddy, I want a fish. Here's a rattlesnake. Be a horrible parent. Or if he asks for an egg, Daddy, I want an egg. He gave you a scorpion. That wouldn't be cool. That would not get you the Father of the Year award. He says, what father? And basically the logic is no father would do that. He says, listen, if you then who are evil, you know what that tells us? I love this verse here. And you say, Pastor, how do you love this verse? Because Jesus has just told us that every parent in this room is evil. See, if you've been wondering, you've been wondering for years if your mom and dad were evil. The Bible says they were. Evil compared to who? Evil compared to God. Basically, he's saying that the best parent in the world is evil compared to God because no one cares for his children better than God. God loves his kids. He says, so if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, next verse, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Give the best. God is more committed to you than the best dad in the world could ever be committed to their children. Now, how do I know that's true? How do I know that? Because, listen, if you are a Christian, this is some good news. Please stay with me. Don't fall asleep on me. This is some good stuff. If you are a Christian, no prayer goes unanswered. You can bank that one. God's answer may be yes. It may be no, or it may be later, but it's never unanswered. Some of you may feel like God is not answering your prayers right now. Some of you may feel like God doesn't care, that he's too busy running the world to care about your needs, but that is not true. You can come through Jesus Christ to God with confidence, knowing that God will hear you. You say, well, Pastor, how do I know that? You want to know how I know that? It's because one terrible day, 
God did not answer his son when he called. Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what answer did God give? Nothing but silence. Why? Why is it that Jesus got silence on the cross? Because God treated Jesus how sinners ought to be treated. Sinners deserve to have their prayers go unanswered. Psalm 66 verse 18. If I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Isaiah chapter 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, or is his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Jesus, the perfect man, who deserved every one of his prayers to be answered, had his prayer turned down as if he sinned against God. God treated Jesus on the cross as we deserve to be treated. So that when we believe in him, when we trust in him, we can be treated as Jesus deserves to be treated. This is a good word for a lot of you in this church that are worrying about why God isn't doing what you think he should do. How can I trust him? You can trust him. How can you know that if you ask God for bread, he's not going to give you a stone? How is it that you can know that if you ask God for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake? How is it that you know that if you ask God for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion? Here's how you can know. Because Jesus got the stone of rejection. Jesus got the venom of the snake. Jesus got the sting of the scorpion that he did not deserve so that you and I get the fish, the bread, and the egg that we don't deserve. Because the Father did not answer the Son in his darkest hour, we can be assured that God the Father will always answer our cries in our darkest hour. That's how we can know. The goodness of God. I love this verse. Let me just give it to you. We're going to close this sucker down. Romans 8.32. You need to have this in your heart. Whenever you feel bad about yourself. Does anybody ever have a bad day? And you feel bad about yourself. And you say, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll just eat worms. Don't do that. Don't eat worms. Read the Bible. He who did not spare his own son. Thank you, Lord. But gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God can give you the biggest thing this world has ever known. His son on a cross for your salvation. Then why do you worry that he's not going to take care of you? You say, well, pastor, what happens if I die? You go to heaven. 
Somebody asked me, how am I doing today? I said, I'm so good. I'm, I'm so, if I were any better, I'd be with the Lord in heaven. If God did not spare his son, but gave his son for you, what in your life is too big for God? See, remember, God knows exactly what you need. It's daily dependence. With a proper perspective. Based in the goodness of God. So based on this phrase, give us this day our daily bread. Let us come to our Father and ask. Ask for big things. Ask for small things. Ask for ordinary things. Ask for wonderful things. Ask, but trust that your heavenly Father knows what's best, but ask anyway. I love my kids. We'll go to Chick-fil-A. I'll take them there. I love going to Chick-fil-A. And my kids have the audacity every time I feed them there to say, can I get a milkshake? Sometimes it's my will. Sometimes it's not my will. But they ask anyway. John Newton said this, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such. None can ever ask too much. What do you need this morning? Ask God. Thank you for listening to the Central Sanford Podcast. For more information or how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net.